Blog Talk Radio. recliner, get you a big piece of rope, a, a belt buckle, or, or something strap in, because it's going to be a lot of turbulence on the ride tonight, I can assure you. Um, Bebo's dying, literally, um, so um, it's, a, it's, it's tough on the 40 acres right now, Matt. How's it going? This is a weird year, Mike. I don't know what to say after today's news and last week. Uh, this is going to be one to either really remember or really forget, but it's pointing towards forget, I think. Yeah, I, you know, you know, I'm just hoping in my lifetime that that I get to experience uh, winning football again. Uh, I'm sure I will. We know it. We know it goes through these cycles, but I, but I, I am, I am telling myself every single day to. Um, when, when, when that day comes, to never, ever take it for granted and to enjoy every single second of it. So we've got lots to discuss. We're going to unfortunately have to to recap the disaster that was um, at TCU. Um, we've got a few things we'll talk about there. We're going to move on and talk about the Red River shootout and see if we have a chance there. Um, boy, I don't know. Uh, Bob Stoops, is, 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 the Sharks are circling um, the Cotton Bowl as we speak. Um, but just in about three or four minutes, um, Longhorn great Rod Babers is going to join us. Um, he's been on before. He's going to give us his take on the state of the program. Um, he hosts the, um, the, the, the sports buffet um, on 1300 The Zone. He does a little writing for 247. Um, so I'm uh, looking forward to talking him, to him in just a few minutes. He's supposed to call in. Um, I may have to call him, so I may have to throw a question to Matt in about in three or four minutes and let Matt answer that question so I can get Rod on the, on the line. So we'll see how that works. He's supposed to call in, but um, I may have to call him. So we'll, I'm waiting on to get a message from him. So I talked to him earlier today, and he is confirmed, so he will be here. I just don't know how he's going to be here. So we're, we're working on that live, too. So, if there's a little glitch, y'all just hang with us. We'll make it through. Um, I, I was I did not get to make it up to Fort Worth Saturday. Um, and about eight minutes into the game, I was actually glad I did not make it up there. Um, I did uh, get to watch it, uh, and boy, I tell you what, um, it, it I know you were there, Matt, but I tell you what, on TV, it did not look good. It was uh, it was a disaster. And then, obviously, the, the press conferences, tweeting at halftime, um, the Chris Boyd debacle, and then, obviously, after the, the player press conference yesterday, um, players throwing each other under the bus, um, you know. And, 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 you know, my whole take on that, and we're going to get into that in, in depth in a minute, but, um, you know, these things are not new to struggling teams. The difference is now, I mean, as we all know, the Facebooks, the, the Twitters, Somebody can say it, and everybody in the country knows about it in less than about 25 seconds. You know, before you know, before we'd have a press conference, and it would be newspaper guys there, and and, and then you know, it'd be in the paper the next day, and the only people that ever found out about it was was who actually subscribed to that newspaper. Nobody up north knew about it. Nobody out east. Um, you know, it may trickle and hit the AP wire, and then people would pick up the story three or four days, and by then there was another big story. This social media. Um, has completely changed um, uh, the way everything is covered. And I mean, of course, we're on Twitter all the time, so we love it. It's the greatest thing to get fast news. But, man, it can also just – it can blow some things out of proportion. I mean, teams have struggled in 85 and 96 in the year 2001. Players talked about players not performing, coaches. So none of, none of these things we're seeing didn't – weren't happening. What's happening then, it's nothing new. It's nothing unique to Texas. It's just the social media game has changed uh, how quickly 
it blows up. Would you agree with that? Yeah, definitely. And, I mean, the game has changed as far as how information gets out and, uh, you know, how you control the message if you're a big university and, you know, any kind of sports team. I mean, I think that's where we're in trouble right now. It feels like just with everything that blew up with the – you know, what I was amazed by is it felt like as I was reading Twitter the day that there were a bunch of player interviews with the media, with the traditional media – I mean, it felt like we had about 18 players talking to the media, you know, available. And I, I really feel like that goes back to, you know, our good friend Patterson let Bianco go, uh, you know, before the season started. And there's got to be somebody in that athletic department that just shuts it down and puts a wall around that stuff. And for God's sake, you know, coach the players that just keep that stuff in the locker room. I mean, of course, you know, you can't control what people are going to post on social media unless you take away Twitter rights. And I don't know if that's going to work or fly, you know, in the middle of the season, but you can control media availability. And I was just reading, you know, Kirk Bowles and all these other guys, one after another, tweeting another player talking about, you know, the problems with this guy and the problems with this and that, and they're all diagnosing the problems with the football team. And I thought this is absolutely what you do not want to be making public to the traditional media to be put in blogs and to go out on Twitter. And then, of course, the players that weren't in those meetings saw the saw the tweets coming out from the media and then were responding via social media. And you just feel like there's got to be somebody in Belmont that just stands up and says, dude, why are we doing this? Like, just shut it down, let the coaches talk, get the players the hell out of there, or coach them that sometimes you just got to keep your mouth shut. Well, exactly. Well, uh, I don't want to keep him on the line. I I was able to to get Rod connected on the first try, so that is awesome. So joining the Orange Report again is Rod Babers. Um, He does some writing for 247, uh, co-hosts the show on 1300 to Zone every day from 4 to 7 p.m., and I'm really looking forward to talking to him. So joining the Orange Report right now with Mike and Matt is Rod Babers. Hey, Rod, how's it going tonight? Hey, guys, I appreciate you having me on. It's a pleasure. And, and, that's, and I'm going to start with the, the, the topic we were discussing. You know, obviously when you played, and I'm an older guy, um, you know, we were talking when players talked to the media or anything happened, uh, the only people that were really there at those press conferences were paper guys, and they'd write the story and be out in the paper the next day. And really the only people that ever saw the story was was people who, you know, who, who took the subscription to the paper. Now, you know, so these things, these things about, you know, the Dylan Haynes thing and, and, and then the players going back and forth, there's always discontent in locker rooms. It happens everywhere. It's happened for, for 100 years in football. The difference now is everybody knows about it in about 30 seconds. So what's your take on yeah. that? Uh, yeah, man, there's so many layers to this thing, guys. And, you know, part of it, let's just look at it from, you know, uh, the, the the structural standpoint, right, of just how Charlie Strong has built, or how the organization is built around Charlie Strong. You don't have John Bianco there anymore. He's your SID. He's the right-hand man. He's also the guy that would be policing and kind of regulating Twitter and making sure that the guys are trying to stay ahead of any guys who would put out something that's uh, inflammatory or derogatory or anything like that, right? So you don't have that guy. You got, uh, you know, kind of one guy over there who's doing uh, Scott McConnell. I think he was doing like three different jobs. He's the basketball SID, he's the football SID, so he can't keep up with that. So that's number one. All right, so that's coming back to bias because that's just a perception problem too, public relations, uh, you know, media relations kind of problem. And that's something that John Bianco would handle. You don't have one of those guys right now. So that's number one. Number two is if if a team has like, and I remember Ahmad Brooks was talking about this, a healthy locker room, uh, that's something that polices and regulates itself. I mean, we have our issues just like you said, guys. I mean, hey, this is every team, every every group, managers, everybody fights, you have disagreements, that's going to happen, all right? But there's a healthy way to deal with it, and there's an unhealthy way to deal with it. And now the long ones are dealing with it in an unhealthy way, you know, through the media, social media, taking shots at one another. Hey, man, you, I, I thought you guys had a team meeting. They said they called several team meetings. Team meetings in themselves are never a good thing, right? They're like marriage counseling. You, you, don't, you don't go to team – you don't have team meetings when things are going good. So they have team meetings, and then after the team meetings, you hear the, the, the things going off on one another. I mean, so what did y'all accomplish in the team meetings? I thought that's when you're supposed to air your grievances and, and tell everybody how you feel. So y'all didn't even accomplish anything in the team meeting. And the problem with that is I bet – 
there was nobody to lead those team meetings. And Charlie Strong's even criticized the senior leadership or the lack thereof. So you've got nobody to lead leadership. And the same thing, you have nobody in that locker room who would also be uh, the head of the enforcement or the regulation or policing that locker room. Uh, there, so there are, no, there are no lieutenants or colonels. It's just a general, Charlie Strong, and then there's a bunch of privates. That's why his message doesn't seem to be trickling down. Um, there's a lot of things that are just reflections of uh, lack of void of leadership. Yeah, and, you know, uh, the, the second part of this is, you know, we, me, and, me and Matt really broke it down a few weeks ago, and we really looked at the roster, and, and I really wanted your take on this, is, you know, uh, there, there's not but one or two guys left from the 2011 class, maybe a handful from 2012, and just a few more than that in 2013. And this is not me making an excuse, but this roster is extremely, extremely young, and also the guys left over, no disrespect to them, they just have not produced, and they're untalented. So in your view, is this more of a talent issue, or is this a a Charlie Strong coaching issue at this point? Uh, I think it's a little bit of both, guys, and maybe more so the talent issue. Uh, the NFL scouts are saying now, at least uh, there are multiple NFL scouts have said that anonymously that they believe Texas is not going to have any players drafted in this year's draft. Uh, hopefully, Hassan Ridgeway, or you know, maybe he can change that if he's drafted Elevation and has some has a great season. But right now, hell, that that looks like. That's going to come to fruition that we may not have any guys that stand out or in that draft eligible and that actually end up getting drafted. There'll be two out of the last three years, so it's definitely a talent issue. There's no denying that. When the best players on the team, guys, when they're when they're freshmen, the guys that are standing out are freshmen. Guys that went to prom last semester, or some of your best players, they're the ones who are making the big plays. You know, and the younger guys are the ones who are leading your, your quarterbacks are redshirt freshmen. I think you got nine, you'll probably have nine redshirt and true freshmen starting, uh, you know, if they end up starting, I believe, Houghton Hill uh, in that game versus OU. That's nine redshirt and true freshmen starting you got. I mean, that's just unbelievable. It's an unbelievable number. So um, I think that the team is just really, really young, too. I mean, really young. This may be the youngest team in a half century. I asked Craig Way about that. He said, he said there's no doubt this is the youngest team in a half century. So they got the youth thing working against them. And let's be honest, Charlie Strong has been, you know, there have been some, some issues. There have been some questionable calls that he's made, right? I mean, the Sean Watson disaster. I mean, let's just call it what it is. That just You had a whole offseason to figure this thing out, and you put out there versus Notre Dame a product, and then right after that you have to you, you really go back on your entire evaluation of your So you wasted an entire offseason. Gerard Hurd could have used those reps. We wasted reps, guys. We wasted an entire offseason of reps. You know what I mean? That's, that's, that, you, that's all Charlie Strong. I love Charlie, but that's all on Charlie Strong. That's, the, that's things like that. Why, why is Deontay Foreman not getting the ball more? What the hell? That, that took way too long to make that decision. We all saw that Jonathan Gray was not the the, the player that he used to be. Uh, those freshman corners should have been off their plan. I mean, there are some things that I think he can do that he's a little hesitant to pull the trigger on, and right now he's back against the wall, and I don't think there's any reason for him to uh, be, you know, holding punches. I mean, let's let it all fly. Yeah, I'm going to let Matt jump in here right after this. But yeah, you know, that's probably been my biggest disappointment is, you know, and, and I don't think he did it over, you know, spilt blood in the program. That was my biggest complaint with Mac is he'd play guys just because they had been there, and I really felt like we were going to get some more accountability with Strong. So I don't know if he played the seniors or if he just really thought they were – they were he was doing it and he felt like they had really bought in, and so he wanted to have some senior leadership. But once it became plainly obvious that they were just not going to get it done on the field, man, he should have just let turn the freshman loose. I would I would rather be losing with these freshmen giving full effort than, like you say, seeing these juniors and seniors out there just getting dominated. So that's just my opinion. Matt, go ahead and jump oh, in. I'm with you on that, brother. I, no, I agree totally with you on that. And honestly, I was a little upset when Coach Strong pulled Gerard Hurd against TCU in favor of Tyrone Fuchs. I know he was doing it just to put some points on the board, avoid the offer, but Gerard Hurd's the quarterback of the future. I want him to have those reps. You're not going to play in the bowl game this year. You need reps. Those guys need those reps. Those are bowl game reps that you're not you're not going to be able to get this year. Yeah, go ahead, Matt. Yeah, that 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 kind of leads into my question. You know, Gerard Hurd uh, did come out. I, I thought, you know, for the first time, at least uh, 
in the media talked like a leader. You know, they asked him about Twitter, and he said, "Don't worry, we're gonna get, we're gonna take away their Twitter or take away their phones or whatever." And he, yeah. to me, it sounded like he was talking a little bit more like a junior or senior quarterback. But does that undermine him a little bit when you know he gets taken out of the game? Uh, because as I'm looking through the roster, you know, we've got all this turmoil. I know that underclassmen don't typically take a leadership role, but there's so many underclassmen that are playing that that's what it looks like is what's got to happen. You got to have somebody that's regardless of what year they are or how long they've been on campus, somebody's got to step up and do it. And if it's Gerard Hurd, I mean, the other guy I look at is Malik Jefferson. Uh, you know, one of these young guys is going to have to punch outside of his weight class a little bit and, you know, just take over this team and say, we're not going to tolerate this anymore. But, I don't know, you know, Rod, you know the dynamics of the locker room a lot better than us. I mean, how that flies. <laughs> does that make things worse, or does it just – do we just need somebody to step up and take this thing over regardless of who it is? No, I mean, I think you hit it on the head there how uh, that can undermine, you know, Gerard Hurts. The quarterback is a natural leadership role. So I think, yeah, you're taking him out there, and now people ask him, hey, is he still a starter? He's like, yes, of course he's still a starter. Uh, yeah, I think that, you know, why have that indecision there? That's something you've already made, even the fans is giving them hope as to, you know, maybe he can be that guy that can galvanize the team. I think that he is taking steps, got to be a leader. He even said that today. He was like, no, I want to be a leader. It's not Tyrone Swoops where he would avoid that that question. It was like he would evade it somehow. Like, no, I don't know if I'm the leader and this and that. Like, no, no, he's like, I'm the leader. I want to be the man. He, he tweets out, I'm sorry, uh, after bad performances. You know what I mean? So I, I really do. I like the the ilk of Gerard Hurd. The problem is, guys, is that these guys haven't had time to really refine their leadership skill. You know, when I came in, you know, I had guys like, you know, uh, Sean Rogers and Casey Hampton and Dee Dee Lewis and, you know, and Major Applewhite and all of these, Leonard Davis, all of these leaders, you know what I mean, to kind of show me the ropes. And Ahmad Brooks, show me the ropes. That's the, what it takes. Quentin Jammer. I had so many guys like, oh, that's how you do it. Oh, that's what you do. Oh, this is, you know, how to conduct myself, what to do. These guys don't have those examples because they don't trust the leadership that is there, the whatever, the Dylan Haynes. They don't trust those guys. And guys, honestly, should they trust them? I mean, what what have they done to for if I'm coming in a 2015 recruit, I'm looking at those guys like, what have you done for men to give you this grand respect? Obviously, it ain't worked for you. That's why they brought me in. When I came in, I know guys like Aaron Humphrey and Sean Rogers and those guys, they had already accomplished things. I mean, they were on the up. They so I I learned from those guys, and I had a respect. Right now, there's a, there's, there's a mutual respect that's missing between the young guys and the older guys. And I don't know if the older guys even deserve it. They haven't deserved it on the field. They haven't earned it on the field. The young guys are saying, this is our team right now. And I like that because we've been looking for a change. And Malik Jensen is part of that. You know, he's got to come in. I mean, what what team have you ever seen where the freshmen or the leaders? That's crazy, man. That's just unbelievable to me. But that's the predicament we're in. And Malik Jefferson, Gerard Hurd, they're all a part of it, that young group. Uh, you know, Chris Boyd, I thought, was going to be part of it. He was very outspoken. Had some setbacks, but I'm sure he's going to be part of it, too, because he looks like he's going to be a good player. But, you know, the future is with those young guys. Let's start it now. Let's go. Listen, we know, guys, we're not going to be a great team this year. So let's start giving those guys their reps and let's start the future now and see how exciting it can be with those young guys. Yeah. Yeah, I, I love it. You're dropping – you dropped my boy's name there, D.D. Lewis. Um, yeah, me and uh, uh, D.D. went to Aldean High School. I'm an Aldean High School grad as well, so D.D. is my boy. I still yeah. talk to him quite often. Yeah, he – D.D. good people. I love me some D.D. Love him. Yeah, he's, he's – He's good people. He was a beast at beast at Aldine High School. Let me ask you just a two part question, Rod. We'll let you go because I know you're just getting off your show. What, so what, where, do, where does the program go from now? What are, what does Strong do? Uh, you know, what, what's the game plan? Because obviously, uh, the, the, his seat is extremely hot. Uh, for you know, we can argue and debate if it, if it should be, but I mean, it's Texas. It's reality. His seat is hot. And then the second part of that question is. What changes on his staff does he need to make in the offseason to get this thing back on track for 2016? Because if 2016 looks like 2015, I think the ship, the trains, the strong era may be over at that point. 
Yeah, what's hurting them guys, I, what I call the Coyote ugly losses, you know, I mean, yeah. he's lost 11 games, but seven of those losses have been by 21-plus uh, points or more. You know what I mean? So it's that that's what's killing them because these are the embarrassing losses. And we thought we got those out of our system last year, and that's not the case. We still are dealing with those really embarrassing losses. So the fans understand we're rebuilding, but the embarrassing losses where the fans don't even feel like they have um, any – any any defense when they're getting attacked by TCU fans or Baylor fans now or Aggie fans. They got nothing, all right? They got no signature win to point to. Now they got, you know, off-the-field issues, Steve Patterson, dumpster fire, all that kind of stuff, right? So that's where Lowen fans are at, and Lowen fans are very sensitive right now. And we're, you know, and they're ready to lash out. That's why, you know, even Mac Brown, remember Mac Brown said he had nothing to, he's not really, he doesn't feel responsible for uh, whatever Texas is going through right now. And Lowen fans will after him. You know what I mean? Like, Lowen fans will go yeah. after you right now because they've, they're tired of being embarrassed. And Charlie Strong is still putting that product out there. So we've got to cut that out. All right, because I agree. If he keeps moving in this fashion, uh, yeah, of course, your seat is yeah, your seat's hot, no doubt. And and honestly, if he loses in this fashion and uh, continues that and ends up with three wins this year, I guarantee the rumors of Chip Kelly and Nick Saban, they'll start coming up all over again. That's just the way it is here in Texas. So I think he's got to go out in the offseason and go get the best offensive mind money can buy. I mean, go get your offensive compliment. We see guys who are offensive guys do it all the time. You got to go find the best offensive line you can get because that's ultimately and whoever meshes with Gerard Hurd and that style of play because Kyle Oxley also has a similar skill set. So go find mm-hmm. somebody who can run that offense very well because it looks like that's where your future is going to be somewhere in that dynamic um, because that's what you got to do. Listen, the Big 12 guys, it's a shootout conference. It's the wild, wild west. you got to be able to score points. It is just that simple. And if, if every team the last five years who's failed to average at least 27 points, they uh, they have a losing record in the Big 12, man. you got to score points. Look at Baylor, Texas Tech, so Iowa State scoring points. All right, so that's what Charlie Strong's dealing with. I know he's sacrificing a bit of his defensive identity as a coach. And, you know, guys, we're on pace to be worse than the worst Matty Diaz defense. I mean, nobody's thinking about that, but that is the truth. That's how bad that defense is right now. It's the poorest product. So you got to score points to win the Big 12. Yes, defense wins championships, but offense wins, wins the Big 12. So that's what you got to do in the offseason, guys. Go get the best offensive mind that money can buy. Go get him. Go, go take, because that's the guy that's going to save your job. And go hunt for him like he's the guy that's going to save your job, because that is the guy that's going to save your job. He and Gerard Hurd, those are the two guys right now that are going to save Charlie Strong's job. He can't think about the future. He can't think about, uh, you know, Bouchelle and uh, the kid at you know, Westlake. And he can't think about all those guys. You might not make it to those guys. Think about the here and now, Charlie. Go get you the best um, offensive mind money can buy. I agree 100%. Um, yeah, he's got to do that because the, the clock is ticking. Well, Rod, we sure appreciate it. Tell our tell our podcast listeners if they want to talk to you on Twitter and every place you're at writing and doing things, man. We sure appreciate it. Yeah, no question, guys. Yeah, hit me up at Rod Davis anytime, man. I'll talk along on football. And I appreciate you guys having me on. Always good to talk with family. All right, man. Appreciate it. We'll be in touch. Um, me and my co-host, Matt, we're definitely going to be at the Cotton Bowl um, having a few wax cups and fried food. So maybe we'll get to walk out of there happy. Maybe we'll pull a trick this weekend. Hey, man, we've seen crazy things happen. i got a stat for you. Last seven times, Texas is unranked, and OU is ranked with 5-2. 5-2, and, two. Five and two, I, saw that, I saw that stat. So maybe we'll maybe we'll make it 6-2, and two, man. Appreciate it. Have a good evening. All right, man. It's 8-23. Thanks, still sucks. See ya. <laughs> All right. All right. Rod Babers joining the order folks. Closing it out at eight twenty three and OU still sucks. Um man, I can't I can't disagree with anything he said. I mean Rod is pretty level headed. Um, you know, um he he basically you know, admits our talent is not well, admits strong has made mistakes and you know, a lot of people are are are, are still in denial that they don't think because our talent level is so low that that strong is not in trouble, um, but uh, I, I I tell you what, um, he uh, strong is in trouble. 
if, it, like he said, he continues these blows, these blowouts. So I, I agree 100%. Does that mean he should be fired tomorrow? No. But, I mean, um, you keep losing 50 to 7s and 45 to 10s and those things, um, regardless of what, even if everybody can admit the talent level is down and this is a two-, three-, four-year rebuild, the question becomes, okay, we know talent's down. We know it's another two- or three-year rebuild, but it's, but you have to be convinced that Strong is still that guy to get it there in two or three, four years. You don't want it to become a seven-year year build, uh, rebuild. So I agree with everything um, Rod said, Matt. Your take? No, absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, living in Fort Worth uh, over the last few days, the TCU fans and everyone else have taken great pleasure in asking, you know, if Charlie's getting fired and all that kind of stuff. And while there's no way he's getting fired this year, at the same time, you know, and I think, Mike, we actually talked about this during the show last week, is, you know, we're making progress. What you can't have happen is just get to you because here's where all the questions start coming up. And I'll, I'll admit, you know, this is the first time, you know, after that game was over thinking, oh, God, maybe maybe this isn't the right dude, man. Maybe, the, maybe we messed up. Maybe it's not a good fit. And once you start uh-huh. thinking that, you know, you're, you're, you're not down the drain yet, but you're starting to circle it a little bit. Uh, and right. so he can he can still save this thing. And like I said, you know, to the to the folks that and I'm telling you, everybody wants to know if you wear Texas gear out now, that you're going to get asked that within five minutes of being out in public. Uh, you know, is Charlie done? He's not done, but yeah, you're exactly right. He's got to show progress in some way this year. Now we turn around and beat OU. You know, sure, that's going to get everybody excited for a week. But you know, you still got to go. You got to chalk up some of these wins that are coming. Uh, you know, potentially, you know, K-State, Iowa State, Kansas, you've got to show something. And unfortunately, you know, as the, as the year, the way the schedule rolls out, uh, the way the teams are kind of shaking out is, you know, if you do go on a little bit of a, a little bit of a hot streak after OU, uh, you know, everyone's going to say, yeah, but they're beating Kansas State and Iowa State and Kansas, so big deal. And then the season ends with Texas Tech and Baylor. So, you know, whatever momentum could get built up, uh, in late October, early November, could all go crumbling right back down again if we give up 40 points to Texas Tech and then 60 to Baylor uh, to end the season. So, yeah, I think this are these are. Uh, I mean, this is this is the this is nut cutting time for Charlie. I mean, he's going to have to. I, I agree 100% with Rod Babers. We can all be realistic and say, you know, when this season is over, there's most likely not going to be a bowl game at the end. Uh, and there's going to have to be something to recharge the batteries of these fans uh, in, during the off season. I think you know, I you know, Rod focused mostly on the offense, but I know there's a lot of young guys out there on defense. But we got to see some better performance throughout the rest of the year on defense. If we're you know missing coverages and, and just looking lost out there, uh, regardless of the fact whether they're freshmen or not, people are going to start talking about Vance Bedford as well, and I think his seat's going to be really hot. Yeah, and I mean, as I sit here today on, you know, October 7th, um, I mean, I think he's safe to, I mean, I, I think he's safe to, uh, safe today, but, uh, I mean, on December, on December 5th, at, you know, let's say the game's at 2.30, at, you know, at 7.30 on December 6th, if, if we're closing out the season and, and we just lost to Baylor 55 to 17, and, uh, and we've only got three wins, Man, I just don't know. I mean, I'm not saying yeah. I'm not saying I I'm not a, I'm not saying it's the right decision, the best decision because I, I want to see how everything plays out. Now on December seventh, if that's where it plays out, I might agree it's the right decision. Depending on the other, I may say it's a bad decision, but I don't think anything is is 100. There are people just 100 percent adamant that it would never happen. I just don't know. I mean, I, I mean, it, 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 well, if the wheels really come off this thing. Then you have like you. I think you made a great point. You have to if you're if you're starting to have questions. What what's the point of going into 2016 at that point if you're already having major? I mean, I I, I was saying it's going to be a, you know, it's going to be real interesting in um, ten weeks for sure to see to, well, to see Mike, how it plays out. Mike, one thing you know that we have to be mindful of as well, and I you know I put myself in Charlie's shoes a little bit is. You know, thanks to our lovely ex-athletic director, we've done Charlie zero favors this year, and this blow up over over Twitter and everything is a perfect example. Now, you know, Charlie's got to deal with the hand that's dealt him. Uh, it's really crappy, but 
uh, you know, what I'm really worried about is, you know, you, you always hear the cliche about a coach losing the team. Uh, I don't think the team, I don't think they're going to, he's going to lose the team and that they're not going to listen to him anymore. But without an SID to control the message, with the media having what seems to be open access to players to babble to the you know mainstream media about whatever they feel like, and then to have the other players responding on Twitter, if you've got that going on and it affects the outcome of the team, I'm right there with you. You know, if we go three and nine and the team is a complete dysfunctional mess, uh, I mean, ultimately that is on Charlie Strong. But at the same time, if we had not fired what seemed to be a very good sports information director. I really think that a lot of this would have gotten stopped early. Uh, so we have to think about that as well. I mean, if if I'm uh, the interim athletic director, I'm trying to get my, you know, what I'm trying to tell Charlie Strong if I'm in that role is, hey, we're going to get this this crap you're having to deal with cleaned up immediately, like within days, if not weeks. And then now it's back on you to actually coach the team. I think, you know, when you've got guys, like I said, talking to the media and the coach – He's going to lose the locker room. He's going to lose the locker room in a way that's completely unprecedented in college sports in that the team just freaking hates each other. Uh, And I don't know that that's the case right now. Again, I I tweeted last night, sometimes it's not so bad to go into a rivalry game being really pissed off, even being pissed off at each other. Because if you can get somehow somebody to step up in that room and take all that anger and aggression and channel it to that other sideline – magical things can happen. So, you know, we'd all feel a lot better if we pull off a win this weekend. I don't think that's going to happen, but if it does, uh, I think that'll cure a lot of these ills. But the guys in Belmont have got to step in and try to get some control over this thing. And honestly, you know, worst case scenario, if it does just fall completely apart, uh, you know, talking three and nine and a, a team that's just completely dysfunctional, let's say they quit against Baylor and give up 73 points or something, I agree with you. There's a very strong possibility that somebody in the athletic department might decide that, you know what, this is too far gone. It just it just got got away from us, and even after two years, we got to make a move. I That yeah. could end up being the right decision, and it could also be a completely unfair decision for Charlie Strong. But, uh, you know, let's hope that we don't get down that path. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I've got I – I wrote, I wrote down, like, um, three, three points on – on that earlier today, and, you know, this is kind of where I'm at in my mindset today, but, I mean, obviously, to use the word fluid, yeah, this is a really a fluid situation. Number one is there's no doubt that he can identify what good good football players look at. We, I mean, look like. We've got 8, 9, 10, 12 really, really, really good true freshmen and then eight or nine of them that are playing a little bit that are going to redshirt, obviously. So we've got about 20 freshmen that are his first class that look like they're really, really good football players. I mean, there's no disputing the fact that uh, Malik Jefferson, Holton Hill, even Chris Boyd on the field, even though he's stupid off-field stuff, they are really good football players. Uh, So where I'm at today is, is what he really has to do if he's given another year if he's got to bring in another class of, of another 25 kids just like the 2015 class. So now you've got about 45, 50 of those guys, and then you've got about 10 from the 2013 class. So now you've got about 60 of the roster of your guys. Then you go into 2016 and you can battle. So that's the first point, I think. Is, is, is he, I think his whole fate is really centered on if, he, if, if he's going to make it on what he can pull with this 2000. If he can pull another top 10 class with this disaster of a season – and pull the same talent he did, he might be able to pull it off. If he doesn't, it's going to be over sooner than later. The second thing is, is I really think what you're seeing is a, a culture clash between the alpha males that he brought in again in 2015 and the dead weight left over from the Mac Brown era. These, 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 the, 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 not only is the athletic ability on different planets and stratosphere, the way they approach the game, the attitude, the edginess, the 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 you know just the whole mindset of uh, of the way the way we're going to approach this is just completely different. So not only and it goes back to what he said when he first got hired, I'm going to recruit guys, yes, that are talented, but guys that love the ball. 
these 2015 kids love the ball. They like they like to get after it. Some of these some of these older Mac Brown guys, they're on the team. They're not really with the team. I mean, they're not. You know, so that we've got a serious cultural class going on, uh, clashing in the locker room right now. And it's going to continue until all that old regime's players are completely washed out of the program. And I like exactly what you said. I'm glad the players are pissed off. I want them to. It's embarrassing. They need to be pissed off. Go ahead. But but my my only devil's advocate to that is that, you know, maybe it's a lesson learned for Charlie Strong for future classes that come in. Hopefully he gets a lot of them here in Austin uh, because I personally am still rooting for him. Um, Yeah, I am too. Maybe maybe you tap the brakes a little bit with your public adulation of the freshmen that are coming in because I think that's part of the problem. I think that these guys, it's not that they're entitled, like maybe under Max, you know, because they weren't all, you know, five-star, big-time recruits. Uh, a lot of them, you know, were good talent evaluation but maybe had a little chip on their shoulder to begin with. But when you publicly kind of endorse them before they've ever stepped on the field, these are 18 and 19 year old kids, and now they're walking into the locker room like their you know what doesn't stink. And regardless of whether or not they're right, that's not what you want in a locker room. I mean, that you know, we could if we had still had Rod on, you know, I'd bounce that idea off of him. But you know, I I want if there's freshmen that are natural leaders, I want them to become leaders. But part of being a leader as well is knowing when to shut the hell up and actually perform. I mean, I do think that these guys have some skills, but it's a little bit ridiculous when you are blowing coverages all day long in Fort Worth and letting TCU hang 50, and those same people are now turning around and questioning the leadership of the guys that, yes, haven't accomplished anything either, but these freshmen haven't accomplished anything. They've beaten Rice. So some of them I do think need to just shut the hell up and uh, stop worrying about maybe who is the alpha dog and see if we can't get a team together to play some football. No, I think that's a fair point. You know, I, I think I really, and I, I may be way off, but I think what he wanted to do was I think he knew he had some upperclassmen that were working hard, maybe not as talented as his life, but he was trying to push them to the brink and get the most out of them. So I, I really think he, he pumped up some of the freshmen. He spoke at the press conferences. Uh, you know, he has thrown some of the upperclassmen under the under the bus, as they say. But I think he was hoping that they would man up take it personally, and he would push them and to perform better, and in effect, maybe it has backfired. So, you know, uh, I'm not saying what he did was right, but I think it was calculated that he was hoping they would play with a chip on their shoulder, and they'd say, hey, we're going to show you what we, 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 we've got a little something, too, and he was using it right. as a motivation tool. Now, with that said, maybe they didn't step up because maybe they're just that weak, and they're just that's why the, we're, we're in the mess we're in that it just didn't work, and he was hoping he could pull something out of them. You know, I'm, I don't know if that's true, but I'm starting to maybe think that that was what he was trying, a motivation technique, and obviously it blew up in his face. Yeah, no, that's a very good point. And, uh, you know, I can totally see that logic behind that. Um, you know, let's just say what it is right now. It's a mess. I mean, honestly, as bad as the game was, if we hadn't had all of this sniping, uh, you know, during the week after the game, I, I honestly was kind of ready to just chalk this up because we, we do have to give credit to TCU, man. You know, Gary yeah. Patterson had a team full of guys that were also young and had no experience, and they came out and balled out. And uh, obviously their offense is, is you know, it, there's never an excuse to give up 50 points. I mean, you're never going to tip your cap to the other team when you give up 50. But that was a hell of an offense that Texas went up against. Uh, but, you know, at the same time, like, if, if – if we hadn't had all this noise, I might have been able to say, let's just get past it and go on to OU and see what happens. And if we play a good game or beat OU, then we'll feel a lot better and we'll forget TCU ever happened. But when you pile on all this nonsense after it, I mean, honestly, what it makes me think is, like, these guys seem to be more worried about what's going on in between the relationships on the team and not what's going on on the field. Like, I would have loved it if one of these players would have just stepped up and said, hey, we lost by six touchdowns to TCU. Maybe all of us can just need to shut the hell up and just get ready for the next game. That's the guy, whoever says that, whoever's the first guy to say that, that's who I want leading this team. Absolutely. Well, um, I really don't have anything else I need to, to recap on the TCU game. You were there. Do you want any closing <laughs> remarks on the TCU game? Or we can move right into talking about the OU game a little bit. I mean, I'll very quickly. The only thing I'll just say is, I think in the last week, last week what we said was, 
You can't turn the ball over. You can't give them extra possessions. Uh, you can't make mistakes. Well, we just did that in spades in the first quarter. And, I mean, it was, you know, as soon as that, as soon as that punt sailed over uh, our punter's head into the end zone for a safety, I thought this is not going to be pretty because that now we've found another way to blow special teams, and uh, we've already fumbled the ball at midfield. We had a shanked punt. I mean, just, you know, it was amazing. I told somebody last night, we gave up 30 points in the first quarter while getting a three and out on the first drive on defense. Like, I would love for a stat nerd to go back and see how many times that's happened in college football history. That's just that's that's unbelievable. So, you know, once that happened, it was at 30 to nothing, that game was over. Uh, I will give Texas credit. You know, I, I saw some stuff, you know, about quitting and things like that, you know, which t- always happens on Twitter whenever you lose bad. I didn't think the team quit at all. I think they were outclassed. Uh, but, you know, after giving up 30 in the first quarter, obviously TCU took their foot off the pedal. But, you know, there were still guys out there trying to earn some extra playing time the rest of the year. So I wasn't worried about that nonsense. But, yeah, other than that, let's just forget that game ever happened. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, my comment on that, and then we're all going to move on to OU, um, is I saw where Herb Street today said that, you know, the the, the – Texas football players didn't show any pride, and there was a thread on it on a couple message boards, and I and I commented on it, and I'm gonna I'll, I'll basically verbalize exactly what I what I commented on the on the thread is you can't make uh, Cedric pride will not make Cedric uh, Flowers Casey Stutter pride will not make um, Doyle Justin Blaylock pride will not make Shiro Davis Brian Arakpo. Pride will not make Desmond Jackson Malcolm Brown. I mean, I could just go down the list. Absolutely. Uh, uh, Pride will not make Dylan Haynes uh, Michael Huff. Pride will not make, you know, I could go down to the players. So yeah. what, what, you're, what you're seeing here, those guys could go, Dylan Haynes can play his ass off, and he's not going to be as good as Michael Huff ever was. Tank Jackson and Ridgeway can play as hard as they are, they're not going to be as good as Malcolm Brown. Shiro Davis can play as hard as he wants. He's not going to be a Brian Arakpo. At the end of the day, sometimes you just got to have great talent, and we don't have it right now. That's reality. This roster sucks. It really, yeah. it really does. It, it's bad. Now, well, and here's the thing. Just, like, go ahead. Go ahead. No, what, uh, the only thing I'm going to chime in on is, uh, and it's something I think I noted at one of the tailgates, and I'm really disappointed with, ESPN, not for what they're saying about Texas, but just it is very obvious that the game day crew has had some new direction in their production. And if you watch any of these game day shows now, I mean, they used to be well-reasoned, intelligent college football analysts. And now what they sound like is a bunch of damn Twitter trolls. I mean, that they throw people under the bus and they, you know, make outlandish comments. And to me, yeah, that gets people talking and that gets people retweeting stuff and it gets people, you know, turn, tuning into ESPN. But, I mean, you, you get, you're venturing into tabloid type of sports journalism when you just are torching teams. And like I said, Texas is not the only one that they are got their uh, their claws out for. And that, to me, yeah. a guy like Herb Street that I've always really respected, that he's got a usually a fair and even-tempered even uh, analysis of college football – that he's sucked into that now, and that's it's clearly a direction that they're trying to go. I mean, it just turns me off completely. These are not – if you want to do that about NFL players, you know what, go for it because they're making plenty of money. But I, I'm a little uncomfortable about college football analysts just destroying teams like, you know, Texas and Virginia Tech and Auburn and all these other schools and just yeah, – I mean, there were a couple comments made at one of the tailgates while we had game day on in the background where I was like, good gravy. I mean, not – I can't believe how harsh they're being on some of these kids, man. It's it's a new world, and I mean, hopefully someday will come, someone else will come and knock ESPN off the pedestal because I think it's just a ratings play. I'm just sad that Herb Street caught up in it. Yeah, I, I've always liked Herb Street's take too because, like you said, he's always had you know been somewhat rational. But yeah, there, there's no doubt that that I mean, we're we're a wounded dog. Um, one leg is completely chopped off, the other one's barely hanging on. I mean, we're a we're a wounded animal right now for sure and um and everybody in the world is piling on. I just saw a um uh, a, a picture tweeted of the of the um the rally tonight for the OU game and um 
it, uh, I think somebody estimated there's only about 500 people there. So the, the students mm. have basically, the, the students, the current students have, have packed it in for the year. And, that, and that's and that's my biggest fear going forward. I mean, it, it, is the Kansas game? I mean, I mean, what's the if I set the over and under it at seventy thousand fans, I mean, w- would you take the over for the Kansas game? Right now, I'm not so sure of that. Uh, I mean, no way. I think attendance is, yeah, attendance is tanking. There's twenty six hundred uh, as of right now. Twenty six hundred um, OU tickets still available for Texas fans. So if anybody's listening, ever been to the OU game? Um, the game may not be any fun, but the fair and the atmosphere is great. Go online, get you an OU ticket, and um, hell, they're they're below face value on StubHub right now. So um, get you uh, get you get you a ticket. So we'll move on from TCU, and I I really only have a couple points about about OU. Uh, is you know I, I recorded a couple of their games. I went back and watched them. Uh, honestly, uh, they're they're pretty balanced. They're solid. They're going to be fired up. They see a wounded animal. Stoops sees a wounded animal. He's going to come out there and, and try to bury us. There's no doubt about that. So um, where I think we can attack them, uh, I don't think this is their best offensive line. Uh, I, I think we can win some battles up front. Hopefully Ridgeway will come out there with a chip on his shoulder. Uh, the key is the defense has got to get stops on first down, get them to second long, get a stop on second down, and then and get off the field on third down. Uh, now, now the negative parts. This is probably uh, the best front seven um, that we faced all year on their defense. It's probably the best front seven. The, our, with, with Perkins out, but we, I don't, I don't, I honestly do not know how we're going to to run the ball or move the ball. But the way I would attack them. Is, is with play action, and I would start uh, Deontay Foreman, and I would line up and put uh, with, with an eye formation, zone read and eye formation, and try a power, a power running game, and don't get away from it. You may only get two yards. That's what we did a couple years ago. We ran right at them uh, and find some creases and then maybe get hurt around and maybe catch them over the top with the linebackers and safeties come up to stop the run. We've got to get the run established and, and shorten the game, and we might get out of there and have – you know, and not get destroyed. But if we come out there and it's three and out um, and, and turnovers, this thing's going to be another 65 to 13 type game. So that, that's really my take on the um, on, on the OU game or what we need to do. No turnovers, run the ball, get off the field on third down. And we probably need to create at least two turnovers. Um, your take on OU? Well, it, it, always, it always comes down to turnovers in this game, always. Sorry, uh, sorry, I had somebody walk up to me. Uh, yeah, it always comes down to turnovers. It's always turnovers in this game. It's like it's you know I remember reading sometime a long time ago somebody mentioned that it's a lot the Texas OU game. It's not hyperbole just to say that it's like the Super Bowl just because you know when we were in the 80s how many Super Bowls did you see where the wheels just came off because somebody had three first half turnovers you know and and then you're done and that's the only way Texas. I mean, God forbid, if Texas turns the ball over two or three times in the first half, you're absolutely right. It's going to be a bloodbath. If Texas can make something happen, that's what we saw in 2013. We had the pick six. We had a punt return. Just stuff that got the team believing and got the wheels knocked off OU a little bit. That's what it comes down to. I mean, you know, we saw Tulsa throw the ball around a little bit against uh, OU. I mean, my concern there is just I don't think we're ready to, to run an offense quite like that. Uh, Heard, you know, is going to have to run, which I'm always worried about that. Uh, OU's going to be trying to strike her, and those guys are going to be trying to literally decapitate him um, in this game. So that we have, I don't, you know, don't know that much about Tulsa's quarterback, but I just don't feel after watching this against TCU that we have enough confidence in our pass game to, like, really make an attack of it. I thought TCU was vulnerable, you know, in their secondary potentially. We just – the fact that we didn't really take a shot deep on them until it was over makes me think that there's a reason. Um, so that, that concerns me. And then when you look at the defense, I mean, we've played the run pretty well. Uh, we are always focused on the run first, it seems like. Uh, but, oh my God, you're going to have to really pay attention to the run when you got P. Ryan and the other guys mixing all these guys on that backfield. And I think OU, you know, we know they watch film. They're going to misdirection us. They're going to get those young linebackers running the wrong way or to be a step behind somebody else. And then Shepard and these other guys are going to just destroy us if we're not really locked in. 
you know, my the only thing that gives me any optimism is if I just forget the TCU game ever happened, I thought we were getting a little bit better every week. Uh, and so maybe if if we can just call a mulligan in Fort Worth, maybe they keep getting better uh, and we can make a game of it because, dude, it's the best day of the year, man. I want to see a game that's competitive in the second half. I'm done forever with these games where I'm looking for a fried Snickers bar at halftime. I agree. Well, with that said, let's get into a few of our picks today. And the first one we'll start off with is in the Big 12, uh, Oklahoma State at West Virginia. Um, uh, West Virginia went into Norman last last week and, and didn't play very well, got destroyed. Um, they're a six-point favorite at home. Um, I mean, we know how tough it is uh, to go into Morgantown and play. I think West Virginia does rebound. I'm going West Virginia 27, Oklahoma State 23. Yeah, I'm really interested in this one because I was really surprised to see Oklahoma State kind of struggle with Kansas State. And then when you read the recap and Kansas State was down to their fifth-string quarterback and still made a game of it and really had a great chance to win, I'm starting to think Oklahoma State still got a ways to go. Uh, So I'm going to take West Virginia to cover. I know they've lost some players on defense, but I'm going to go West Virginia 31, Oklahoma State 17. Next one is Arkansas and Alabama. Alabama showed um, that, yeah, we're not quite dead yet, and Georgia did what Georgia does in big games. <laughs> um, I think Alabama is, is hitting their stride. They're playing at home, 16-point favor. I think they roll Arkansas. I'm going 42-10 Alabama. Wow, you said 16? Yep. Whew. Uh man, I'm going to take Alabama's going to win the game, but I'm going to say it's a little closer. I'm going to say 31-21 Alabama. And and just for fun, uh, we're going to the next game, Baylor is minus 38 over Kansas, and I think that is way I think oh actually it's moved. Excuse me. Like good lord, I just refreshed it. Um, they're a 44 <laughs> point they're a 44 yeah. point favorite, and I'm still picking Baylor. I'm going Baylor 76 Kansas 10. Yeah, I saw one play of the Iowa State-Kansas game. And by the way, I, I I can't remember if we even picked that game last week, but I said at the beginning of the year that I was going to bet against Kansas every single game they played this year. I got scared when Iowa State was like a 16-point favorite, uh, but Iowa State covered that with ease. And I saw one play where Iowa State threw it over the middle, and I'm telling you, either Kansas doesn't care anymore or they have the slowest secondary in the history of college football. Match that up against Baylor, and I'm with you. I think Baylor hits 73, uh, and they'll give up some garbage. I'll say 73-21 for a final. Yeah, poor Kansas. They're gonna. They're not gonna win a game. But I can't laugh at them because we may only win a couple more than. than, than, than <laughs> that might be a than, big than, one for us, Mike. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Another game actually that is really intriguing with me: the Cal Bears, who we got to see up close uh, at Utah. Utah's a seven-point favorite. Uh, Utah. Utah looks to be a pretty a pretty good team now. I mean. Um, I think Cal does take a loss. I don't think Utah um, covers. I think this is going to be a very close game. I'm going to go 31-30 Utah. Yeah, Utah, man. You know, I watched the first game against Michigan. I chalked it up to Michigan just wasn't really ready yet under Harbaugh with his first game. Michigan's defense is really doing some stuff now, and uh, that Utah win over Michigan looks more and more impressive every week. I know that there were a few people that had them ranked number one uh, going into this week. I'm not sure I'm ready to do that yet. My thing is that Cal's defense uh still a big question mark, but I this is that's this is the game this weekend that I'm most looking forward to watching because I want to see what both these teams are made of. I'm gonna say uh thirty eight to thirty one Utah. Another intriguing SEC game, Florida. Man, they're I mean it's amazing. Uh you get a good coach in there. They're five and oh. Um they're playing the zoo. Um Minus five, Florida is a favorite on the road, and I like the five, actually. Um, Florida is, is a very young team, but they do have um, some good defensive players back. And, I mean, they they completely destroyed Old Miss last week. So, I think and Missouri's got their quarterback still suspended. They've got some disarray going there. They're, the pinkle will get pinkled. Um, I like Florida in this one, 31 to – I'm going to say 31-17. 
classic letdown game, Mike. I'm going to take Missouri, Missouri 24, Florida 20. I would say that, but I just don't think Missouri's very good. I, I just think they're yeah, atrocious. I, don't but it could, it, it, I mean, it could happen. Look, I mean, I'm going to regret taking Gary Pinkle to win anything. You know me, so yeah. Now the game, the game that I think could be a letdown is the next one. Um, TCU at the Purple Wizard. Uh, TCU nine and a half point favorite. Um, Kansas State is playing a walk-on wide receiver at quarterback. It had Oklahoma State beat, and it caught up to them last week. They are playing at home, so I think they'll have a little momentum. But I think at the end of the day, TCU will just have too much on offense. Uh, Kansas State will keep it close for a while, but in the end, TCU does pull away. I'm going 42-31 TCU. I think that this is – Bill Snyder, this is going exactly the way he wants it. TCU had a cakewalk win over, you know, Texas. I'm sure TCU is feeling real good about themselves after that game. They are a very good team, but I think this is a game where, you know, every good team has one of those really tough surprise road trips where it doesn't quite go to plan. I think TCU escapes the little apple 30-27. to 27. And then our last game other than ours, Iowa State um... – 12-point dog at Tech. Um, Iowa State, it's probably, they're probably going to score some points. Tech's at home. Uh, I'm going – Tech's going to probably hang at least 50. I'm going – I'm going to say 51-31 Tech. To me, you know, Mike, this is a huge game for Tech because, you know, obviously the, the heartbreak loss of TCU and then really they were outclassed by Baylor. Uh, yeah. They got to bounce back in this game, and they got to kind of show something too. Um, I think they'll struggle early, um, but it's a huge, you know, change in competition going from TCU and Baylor back to back to Iowa State. So I think it'll be 38-21 Tech. All right, now we'll move on and talk about the Red River Shootout, and. Um, I'm probably going to get killed on Twitter for this pick, but um, I, I just—I mean, I just—I don't—I don't feel good about it. Uh, I just don't think. I mean, Oklahoma is balanced. Um, I, I think we'll put up a fight for a while, uh, man. I will be greatly surprised to eat crow on this, but there is just no way I can pick us to win. There's just too many variables, um, so I've got to go with my my mind on this. Unfortunately, I think we are going to be eating Snickers and, and Shatterbot by halftime. Um, um, it's just not going to be pretty. I'm actually bringing my own lube to carry around, um, so just in case, um, uh, you know, so uh, pre- prepare your rear ends, Horn fans. I just think it's going to be bad. We're going to be one in five. Uh, and then we'll have an off week, and then it will just we'll go from there and see if, see how the season ends. But if it, as it sits today, I'm going Oklahoma 45, Texas 13. Ooh, Mike, that makes my heart hurt. I know. Trust me, it pains me. It, 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 you have you have no how much pain it, it, it makes me even say that. But I mean, it is what it is. Well, I'll put it this way. I hope that uh. I hope that I can talk a lot of trash to you in the food court after the game in front of the Greek stand and that we're all yeah. laughing about your terrible pick and that we beat OU yeah. and we drink many uh, Greek stand Miller Lights. Uh, I think oh. that I think we're going to have a competitive first half. I think the third quarter thing is going to come back and get us in this game. Uh, always, you know, as much as we hate Bob Stoops, always respect him as a coach. I think yeah. he'll make some adjustments, and I think things will get away from us in the third quarter. And in the fourth quarter, we'll scrape together something and make it respectable looking on the scoreboard. But by then, we'll be looking out for the uh, deep-fried carrot cake. I'm going to go 40-27 to 27, OU. All right. My top four for the week. Um, I, even though Ohio State still doesn't look good, I'm sticking to what I always say. Until somebody beats them, they're going to be in my top four. So I'm going with Ohio State. Um, I'm putting TCU back in my top four. Um, they just um, – I think their offense is going to is going to carry them to a lot of wins. Um, honestly, uh, I don't think TCU is going to lose. I think I think they're even going to beat Baylor. Um, I may be wrong, but I think TCU very well could get to the playoffs. I mean, I think they've got some tough games coming up against OU. We'll see how it plays out. But uh, they're, they're pretty solid. So, that, I got Ohio State, TCU, 
Next, I'm going with LSU. They're still, they're still, you know, not playing great. But again, until somebody beats them, I, I like LSU. And then my number four team. Again, this one is extremely tough for me. Um, I've got about three teams right there. It pains me to say I'm going to go with the Oklahoma Sooners right now until somebody beats them. They're they're getting better every week. Um, they're they're playing good ball. So my top four. Ohio State, TCU, LSU, Oklahoma, and then my next my next couple out really Baylor, Clemson, and believe it or not, those Utah Utes, and then Alabama's right there if they continue to win. So that's mine. Go ahead, Matt. Well, first of all, I'd like to say happy trails to UCLA because when I put them yeah. in the top four last <laughs> week, you said that wasn't going to last very long. And, wow, they really laid an egg uh, against Arizona State. So, adios, UCLA, never to return. Uh, Let's see. I'm going to keep – oh, I don't remember what I exactly had to put an order last week, but I'm still just going to roll with Ohio State. Um, I think that – you know, what's funny is a lot of people said they were going to sleepwalk through the season because the schedule was so easy, and now people are killing them for sleepwalking through the season. So, I'm going to keep Ohio State at number one. Uh, I'm going to say, for right now, I'm going to say TCU is number two. Uh, I'm going to put, oh, God, I'm going to put, uh, I'm going to put LSU at three. And, yeah, in an effort to uh, put the UCLA magic on uh, our friends from Norman, I'm going to put Oklahoma at number four and hope that uh, yeah. they lay the same egg that UCLA did last week. Well, see, that was my thinking, too. One, they are playing good ball, but I was hoping if I moved them up into the top four, they'd come out and lay an egg. So, yeah, I, I do kind of have the double – I do respect what they're doing, but it is definitely the, the, the double the double jinx thought as well. So, good good pick by putting them in there at number four as well. <laughs> well, we're just about out of time, so I think we've just got a couple things left. Um, I want to uh, – we're going to discuss just real quick, a couple more minutes, um, obviously – Way to go, Houston Astros. Four straight years, 100 losses, and we, by God, won a playoff game. Beat the Yankees. Woo! Man, you had to love it. Did we look good last night or what? Congratulations to the Astros. Thank you for eliminating the Yankees. Uh, A nation of baseball fans applaud you and thank you. Well, on a different topic, your Cowboys and my Texans, um, you know, I think your Cowboys will eventually, you know, get better once they get healthy. Um, I don't think we're ever – I think the Texans are about to start tanking for the number one draft pick, so we just have no quarterback, and the defense is a disaster. So, um, I don't know what's going to happen with them. It's pretty rough for sure. Yeah, I uh, the Cowboys absolutely had to win – that game in New Orleans and to lose it that way on top of the way the Longhorn season is going, that was a brutal, brutal loss. Uh, it's not looking good. When you look at the schedule going forward for the Cowboys, you have Patriots, uh, I think Seahawks and Eagles. Uh, I don't know about you, but I don't see going more than one and three against those four. And now you're looking at three and five, uh, this thing could get away before the, the cavalry comes back. Yeah. Well, Longhorn fans, y'all buckle up for it's gonna be a it's gonna be a crazy season and as the losses mount, I'm afraid the silly season is gonna come out. We're gonna hear Chip Kelly, Nick Saban and every other um coach who's ever coached a football game in the last ten <laughs> years as a candidate. So just prepare yourself. So we'll move on from that. But I have to give a shout out to the one and only um person that, that, that stands by my side daily. Um, we're heading up to the, the State Fair, the Red River Shootout, for the upteenth year in a row. My wife is such a trooper um, because her birthday is October 9th every year, and it all you know, OU weekend falls on her birthday, and she gives up her birthday weekend to, to come with me up to the OU. So happy birthday to my beautiful wife and for taking one for, the, for, for my love of the Longhorns but of course, she loves the fair as well. So, but it's always on her birthday weekend, and she never complains. She goes up there, and we have a great time. So, happy birthday to my wife Lucy. So, with that said, Matt, tell the listeners where they can find you. Sure thing. You can find me on Twitter at UT Tailgaters. 
I'm sure I'm going to burn up the internet during the <laughs> game beforehand. We'll this year for once we're going to take a few live uh, shots from the food court so people can see uh, how things are looking if they didn't make it to Dallas or if they're uh, at ACL or something like that. So we'll try to do that, and then we'll talk football, and then we'll get back to a sports bar or something after the game and talk more football. So you can find me at UT Tailgaters and. Hopefully, we, hopefully I don't have too many F words on Saturday, and I keep it pretty much under control. Yeah, and I was going to say, if you're listening and um, you're you're heading up to Dallas, um, get out there. Uh, my my goal is to be in the food court by 8 a.m., probably a little before. Come find us the Coca-Cola food court by the Greek stand. Come by and have a turkey leg or a Fletcher's or a nice cold Schotterbach with us for breakfast, and um, probably after about an hour there, even though we are, we're terrible. The juices will start flowing. Oh, you will start talking trash. We'll start talking trash and come and see Mike get on top of the picnic table and lead the Coca-Cola food court in Texas fight. It's always a good time. So with that said, we'll see you all next Wednesday. You can find me on Twitter at MBHornsFan. Always remember, the eyes of Texas are upon you. Hook them horns and beat OU. The time is 9.05. Oh, you suck. They're talking about you can't see me. Everybody can see me. You can't see me. Get your dog. It's almost game.